Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, Helen O'Sullivan, spokesperson Beef Plan, has details of forthcoming meetings in Bantry and Glanmire. Richard White, PRO, Cork West Ploughing Association, results and details of forthcoming match this weekend. Stuart Childs, milk recording advantages. John Carroll, rules social scheme for farmers. But our top story, the Irish EU nitrates derogation hinges on water quality. William Condon, journalist, has written about this in this week's edition of the Irish Farmers' Journal. William, you have more now on this water quality issue. Yeah, I suppose it was the Department of Agriculture that was speaking at uh, an Agricultural Consultants Association Environmental Training Day last week. And the point that they were coming out with was that unless our water quality trends improve, that we are in real danger of losing our, our nitrates derogation. I suppose the latest, uh, the latest uh, water report from the EPA showed that there was a 3% decrease in water quality. And I suppose agriculture is one of the the biggest pressures on, on water quality. Um, I suppose, looking forward, if we want to try and get the derogation again, if we don't show a, a change in this trend, then, you know, there'll be a real, a real danger that we won't, we won't be given derogation again uh, for the country. And in your article, you also say that even if we did get a derogation, if a derogation was granted in 2021, well, then we might find it's far more restricted if we don't substantially upgrade our water quality? Yeah, I, I suppose at this point it, it, it's all very unknown as to what could happen or, or what will happen, but uh, the department spokesperson on the day said that even if we do get uh, get the review and um, we get the derogation again, we could be given areas to focus on that could be phosphorus, for example, but it could also come with, uh, I suppose, a, a lesser stocking rate. Currently, if you get derogation, you can go up to 250 kilos of nitrogen per hectare, up from 170 um, and if we got the derogation again and our water quality hadn't improved uh, to to a high standard, I suppose, that the, the Europe are looking for, then that could reduce to 220. Or alternatively, a, a cow currently produces 85 kilos of nitrogen. They could increase that to 100 kilos of nitrogen. Um, it, they both have the same effect of limiting stocking rate, I suppose. And it, it would have a big effect on the, the about 7,000 farmers now gone into derogation. That's gone up by about 20% uh, in the last four years. Um, and at the same time, the, the amount of land in derogation has gone up from 332,000 hectares up to 466,000 hectares, which is a, a 40% increase. So it's a substantial increase, I suppose, and it's, um, it's just put more and more pressure, I suppose, on the system. Um, and it's just something that they'll be mindful of 
when the when the review comes around. And in your article, you also point out that whereas the water quality appears to have been decreasing, uh, water quality decreasing, but at the same time, we have the ammonia emissions uh, increasing. Yeah, I suppose we've gone up by about 30% in, in dairy cow numbers in the last seven years, up to about 1.5 million cows now. So again, that's just put more and more uh, pressure on the system. And I suppose that the emission side of things will be looked at as well when it comes to the derogation. It all feeds into it. Um, I suppose currently the new requirements for derogation are that you know, uh, 50% of your slurry, if you're in derogation, 50% of your slurry must be spread by the 15th of June because um, of a better uptake from, from the soil, better uptake of nutrients. And then I suppose the remainder of your slurry must be spread using low emission slurry spreading equipment. Um, so they're all kind of areas that are targeted at reducing the emissions that, even, that come from the slurry itself. Suckler farmers out there already under pressure. They might feel further threatened by the revelation that the department had been thinking in terms of a far greater decrease in the number of uh, suckler herds. The department thought the sucklers would decrease as the dairy herd increased, but this hasn't happened apparently. No, I suppose the, the department expected there to be a change in land use from sucklers um, into dairy so that we, you know, you'd nearly have a, a one for one or maybe a 30% increase in dairy cow numbers and maybe a 20% decrease in suckler cow numbers. But suckler cows over the last seven years have, have gone down by about 7%. Um, so dairy farmers are pushing what land they have, I suppose, a lot more. Um, and, you know, where the department thought the numbers might say relatively similar, um, they've actually increased a good bit because of the, the, the increase in dairy numbers. So it, it all just puts uh, more and more pressure on the system. And I suppose it's to try and do things now before the review in 2021 to ensure that we can get our derogation because, you know, the, 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 all, all hope is not lost by, by any uh, stretch of the imagination. There's still plenty that can be done now, and if we do it over the next couple of years, then we, we can get our derogation again. Also on page 8 of the journal, William, speaking to Mr William Conlon, journalist, Irish Farmers Journal, also on page 8, in addition to your article, Nitrate Derogation Hinges on Water Quality, you have another article, Low Emission Slurry Could Form Part of Basic Payment Conditions. And the last line there, you pose the question, we have to ask, uh, is beef production an efficient use of our emissions and our derogations? Yeah, I know it was Dr. Frank McGovern there on the day that, that asked the question. He's with the EPA. He's ju- just looking at purely um, from an emissions point of view. But I suppose talking on the, the low emission slurry spreading, the review of the, the cap is, is currently going on and nobody knows what's going to come uh, post-2020. But one, we do know that there will be an environmental scheme in the Pillar 1. So what was traditionally just the basic payment uh, scheme will now involve a environmental scheme as well. And um It'll be, it'll be optional, but you'll need to go into it if you want to get your full BPS payment. I suppose what they're talking about, and again, we're into the unknown, it said that there could, the environmental scheme could be something as simple as every farmer having to put out their slurry through low emission slurry spreading uh, just to reduce emissions. So it could be something as simple as that, or it could be having to complete a nuclear management plan for your farm as well. But again, all, all this is in the early stages, so nothing has been ironed out yet, but there'll be a lot of discussions going on over the next couple of months and the next year with uh, between the department and with Europe just to see what uh, what way the, the cap is going to look like post-2020, I suppose. Speaking to Mr William Condon, journalist, Irish Farmers Journal, certainly, William, on page 8 of the journal, in addition to your own two articles, there's also one by Thomas Hubert, Methane Emissions in EBI by 2023. So, in fact, on that one page, you have a fairly clear outline of some of the challenges, the main challenges 
facing agriculture. And of course, the beef people would be concerned when they see, when they hear that question being posed regarding beef production. Is that an efficient use of our emissions? William, thank you very much indeed. And we hope our listeners will get a copy of the Irish Farmers Journal. And we've just given them a small sample of the immense coverage of all aspects of agriculture in the Irish Farmers Journal. We've been talking about the edition of Saturday, 16th of February, 2019. Thank you, William. Thanks, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Mr. Richard White, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. You have some results for us, Richard, and details of uh, this weekend's match. Yeah, thank you, John. Um, uh, last weekend, Tim League Ploughing got a uh, winter head a slant, and uh, it was uh, the sixth weekend in a row when, when the ploughing, which was um, very pleasing for all concerned, that went on in, in the, at Barry's Hall, Tim League on the lands of Colin Bateman. And uh, there were uh, over 40 competitors, so it was a very, very good day, very enjoyable day. Uh, the results are as follows in the senior tractor uh, first, Jim Grace, second, Kieran Coakley, third, John Murphy. In Junior 28 class, first, Aidan O'Donovan, and second, George Kirby. The Junior 21 class, first, James O'Sullivan, second, Eno Farrell, and third, Andrew O'Donovan. The intermediate class, uh, first, Johnny O'Donovan. Second, Stanley Dean, and third, Dennis Murphy. The three furrow class, uh, first, Matthew Coakley, and second, John Cuhan. The senior reversible in first place was George Coakley, and second was Lee Driscoll. In the standard reversible, uh, first was Pardig Welch, second, Tim Lawler, and third, Dan Hurley. And on the under-28 reversible, the winner there was Conroe Farrell. The open hydraulic vintage, first was Michael Ryan, Second, John O'Neill, and third, Michael Comey. The confined hydraulic in first place was Pascal Cochran. Second was Eta Wiesema, and third was Sean McCarthy. The single furrow first was Gordon Jennings, and second was Damien Ahern. In the farm right class, first was Ellen Nyan, and second was Rachel O'Driscoll. In the market class, first was David Welsh, second, uh, Niall O'Driscoll, third, Keane Harrington. And... Um, the vintage class, the winner was John Wolfe, and in the horse class, uh, first was John O'Donovan. So that's the complete results of Tim League. And um, on tomorrow Sunday, the Golf Club Association are holding their annual match. It's on. It's being held on the lands of John and Valerie O'Connell at Barley Field, Kilbritton. It's on stubble ground, and um, they like to have the entries in by uh, today, Saturday, at twelve o'clock. And the entries go to Kevin on 087-620-5894. That's 087-620-5894. And a special feature at uh, tomorrow's match will be the large Russian tractor, which was won by Liam O'Driscoll when he won the, the European Championship, the reversible championships at, uh, in Russia last year. It has finally arrived in Ireland, and it would be on display. It's a, it's a Curvolet tractor, K424. Uh, it's um, it's unique, and I suppose it's, uh, anything like it won't have been seen in Ireland. The first uh, one to come into Ireland, and uh, it'll be a unique opportunity to see it um, tomorrow at Kilbritton. And it will be on, uh, I suppose, weather permitting. The forecast for the morning isn't isn't that great, but hopefully, uh, we've been lucky with our matches all along, and hopefully tomorrow tomorrow's will will go ahead as planned. For people to go along and see that uh, big Russian tractor operation, and that was the European Championships in Suzdal in Russia. 
Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Richard White, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, thank you very much, John. Our sponsor, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society, operates a sustainability bonus to strongly encourage milk suppliers adopt milk recording as an essential tool of their enterprise. Stuart Childs, Chagask Dairy Specialist for the Southwest, outlines some of the main advantages of milk recording and also tells listeners how they can take the first step in milk recording if they are not already milk recording their herds. Welcome to the programme, Stuart Childs, Chagask Dairy Specialist for the Southwest. Well, John, as you said there, Dairy Gold are very strong in their promotion of milk recording, and in particular this year they've come out with a, a, a sustainability bonus to promote people to milk record, which is offering up to half the cost of milk recording to be paid by for the co-op. So it's a huge opportunity for people to get into milk recording that haven't been milk recording prior to now. Up to now, we've probably approximately about 50% of the cows in the country have, are going through some form of milk recording. Um, which is on an international scale is very low when you compare it with the Dutch, the Danes, uh, New Zealand and Germany where in excess of 90% of cows are, are milk recorded on an annual basis. So what role has uh, milk recording to play in sustainability? Sustainability is a, a, a real buzzword at the moment as I'm sure you're aware um, because of uh, so economic, environmental and social sustainability being re- inquired about by companies that are purchasing products from all the co-ops and also just the, the general population inquiring about the sustainability of the food production and so forth. So where does milk recording fit into this? I suppose to put it into context, John, we've increased up to a 10 billion litre pool of milk to be processed in the south of Ireland in the last three years, up from around five to five and a half billion around the time the quarter was going uh, back in 2015. And that's come on foot of uh, cows just actually being free to milk as such in that they were no longer restricted by quotas, so they were able to reach a, a higher level of production potential than they would have under the quota regime. And the other thing that has led to the increase in the milk production is also the numbers of cows on the ground. However, this is throwing up problems in the form of uh, carbon credits and carbon uh, issues and carbon total carbon uh, totals being produced by all these animals and there's question marks about them. So what role can milk recording play for in terms of sustainability in this regard? I suppose the point that we would like to make is that there is a big variation between what the top uh, 10% of herds in all the co-op regions are producing and the bottom 10% and there's even a significant difference between the average of the co-ops and the top 10%. So there's huge potential for increased um, production from uh, cows through better management, but there's also cows in, in herds that are just not capable of uh, meeting the target that they should in terms of being profitable. And the chances are that there are some cows that are just about break-even or potentially robbing some of the profit being generated by some of their herd mates in order to compensate for the losses that they're generating. So we would look at it as a way of potentially getting less, getting more from less um, so that you could actually potentially milk less cows um, but still have the same output for it. And there's advantages then in that regard through uh, potentially increasing the grass availability for the other cows uh, in the herd because you've less cows on the milking platform in itself. So there's obviously, a, as a natural cause, there's going to be more grass available to the other cows, which could also actually result in an increase in pr- production potential as well as overall profitability because we're getting more milk from grass rather than um, in the current situation, if we're stocked highly and we have these poor performing cows, some of this uh, 
the production could be going out the gate by virtue of feed that's coming in the gate, which is expensive. So the other thing, the other big advantage then that the milk recording would allow you then is that because if you can get the same with the with less cows, you actually have less cows to milk, which is less time spent milking. There's less stock to be accommodated, which is less investment in facilities and buildings potentially, less slurry to be stored and also to be spread, which is uh, critically important from the environmental sustainability point of view. And then a big one, which we all experienced difficulty with during 2018, is that there will be less silage required for the winter period as we will have less stock on hand. But we're not compromising our actual economic sustainability in that we're still producing the same amount of milk solids as we would have produced only with less cows, more more productive cows, and therefore increasing farm efficiency as a result. Well, certainly, Stuart, all of that makes uh, great sense and uh, a great idea for management, uh, tighter management, and uh, the bottom line, more profit in the end. Now, turning to breeding replacement heifers, you might uh, point out to our listeners some of the advantages uh, of having milk recording when it comes to breeding replacement heifers, getting the optimum from your herd at all points. Well, you've said it there in a nutshell, John, getting the optimum from your herd at all points, basically, is uh, why we want to try to breed our uh, replacements from our best cows. So if we milk record, uh, we know what animals are performing best in the herd. And as herd numbers begin to settle somewhat uh, following the expansionary phase, we're now in a luxurious position where we should be able to select to breed our replacements from the right type of cow, the cow that's working for our system that's going to produce a uh, heifer calf, hopefully, that will lend itself to high profitability in our production system. Uh, so we need to know that information in order to make those decisions. If we do not know what our cows are producing, then it's a shot in the dark, and we may be actually breeding a poorer or a more inferior animal than what we actually want to breed to carry the herd forward into the future. And it could be just retrospect or retrograde step as opposed to a step forward, which is what we should be aiming for when breeding replacements. Now, SCC, the somatic cell count, regarding somatic cell count and management of somatic cell count, bringing it down to acceptable levels, the role of milk recording in that, Stuart? From our perspective as advisors, if we encounter cell count issues, um, if there is milk recording taking place on a farm, it gives us a great insight into what's happening on the farm and potentially where the source of the infection may have come from or the stage at which this infection may have started. So it's very important from that point of view, uh, as well as from then from the farm owner's point of view, the regular milk recording, be it every four or six weeks or whatever, or monthly, um, they can have a look through identify cows that are potentially after increasing in cell count since their previous recording and take action or or at least investigate the situation if the cell count is after rising significantly. And it helps them then to actually control uh, subclinical mastitis potentially within their herds. Um, And this in turn will actually result in higher profit because cell count impacts on yield uh, quite significantly. So if we can maintain a low cell count, we actually have higher production from the total herd as well as uh, less replacements having to be brought into the herd to replace problem cows or cows that just get culled out because of mastitis. So knowledge is power basically and when we know what we're dealing with it makes it a lot easier to deal with if there is a cell count issue. So it's the biggest advantage probably that people will cite in in terms of milk recording initially will actually be cell count management Um, but it's something that is going to become more and more critical into the future as well in terms of um, drug resistance and so forth. 
AMR, antimicrobial resistance, that's something farmers have been talking a lot about. And indeed, the vets are now focusing very much on AMR and taking measures and making recommendations of how AMR can be dealt with. You might just outline to our listeners uh, exactly what the role of milk recording would be in restraining, controlling or even eliminating AMR. Well, John, the situation with the AMR is that um, because of antimicrobial resistance increasing in the national population and there are some very frightening figures of the potential loss of life in 2050 uh, due to antimicrobial resistance in the human population, um, there's going to be very strict and stringent rules in place around the use of drugs in animals into the future. Uh, and the future is only two to three years away now because there's a new law going to come in in January of 2022, um, which is going to severely limit the access of farm animals to the drugs that they have currently access to and the amount of time that they're available to have access to them. So uh, where this really kicks late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Seen in terms of the dairy enterprise is uh, in the area of dry cow therapy, and I'm sure some of my colleagues have probably spoken about selective dry cow therapy in the last couple of months uh, on the show. But basically, uh, the situation as it is currently is that we can technically treat every animal in the herd, whether they have a source of infection or not, with antibiotics um, in our at the dry period in order to. Um, prevent, I suppose, the, the potential risk of, of uh, infection during the dry period. However, that is probably going to cease by 2022. Um, and the only way that we're going to be in a position to get that kind of level of drugs if required is actually if we have milk recording data to show that we have a problem and that it needs to be treated. So in the absence of milk recording, the chances are we're not going to be able to get access to the antibiotics. And the ironic thing about it is, is that the probably the herds that won't have the milk recording will be the herds that will need it most. So it's very important that people take the opportunity. As I said already, Dairy Gold are promoting milk recording very strongly this year, offering a huge incentive. Other co-ops are also offering other incentives as well to their suppliers in order to try to get them into the uh, process of milk recording. And it's something that people will nearly have to do by default in a number of years. So you might as well be getting into it and getting involved in it now and getting the advantages of it while uh, while you can in terms of building the herd towards a more profitable herd for the future. Very important point for anyone who's been listening carefully up to now. How do you actually start milk recording what's the first step and would you kindly for the convenience of the listener have a telephone contact or what's the best way what's the first step if you have decided yes i must start milk recording i suppose the most uh, direct route of getting in contact with someone about it is to actually ring munster ai group in bellyvorshine and mallow themselves their number is 022 43228 that's 022 43228 
and they'll have people on the line there that'll be able to help you out in terms of getting the details out to you to sign up. There's a few forms that need to be completed in order to get in um, started on the milk recording. The other thing is that they have made um, significant moves in terms of employing extra help to deal with this. So uh, often a a source of concern for people that are farming maybe on their own is that this milk recording isn't for them because it's just going to create another layer of of work for them but there will be people there that will be able to assist you uh, and it's probably best actually to ring people in in Munster cattle breeding group in order to um, talk to them about what what type or several types of milk recording uh, DIY or, or assisted basically which one will work for you best and how uh, and when to start and um, how to go about booking. So the other option is that if people want to talk to ourselves uh, within Chagask, uh, we will uh, probably have farms in the next couple of days. If people want to sign farms at the offices with us um, when they're in for something else, we will be able to probably facilitate that as well. But the first point to contact would actually be to contact uh, Munster Cattle Breeding Group in Ballyvarshine in Mallow at 022 Thank you very much indeed for that very comprehensive overview of milk recording and the benefits of milk recording. We might even say the necessity of having proper milk recording if you want to be profitable and maximise all your herd's resources. You have an announcement to make now. Our listeners, Some listeners may be aware of this, but if you're not aware of it, a very important announcement primarily for our listeners in the west of the county. Pat Flannery, my colleague in the education section in uh, McCroom, is beginning a part-time course for people that are over 23 on Tuesday the 19th, uh, that's next Tuesday, at 11 o'clock in the office in McCroom. And that's going to be a course that's going to be run between the McCroom office and the Skibreen office, but it's starting next Tuesday the 19th, and they're still happy to take uh, queries and bookings for that at 026-41604. Um, and Pat Flannery is the person point of contact for that. So a part-time course starting in the McCroom office on uh, Tuesday the 19th, uh, point of contact, Pat Flannery in the McCroom office will be uh, worked in conjunction with the Skibreen office as well. So half the time will be in Skibreen and half the time in McCroom starting on Tuesday the 19th. That's perfect. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Stuart Childs, Chagask Dairy Specialist for the South West. Thank you, Stuart. Thanks, John. Mr. John Carroll, Chairman, Avondoo Blackwater Development Partnership, has the background to the Rural Social Scheme. John, welcome to the programme. Now, the Rural Social Scheme, what's the background to that and uh, are there various criteria or rules and regulations? The scheme is aimed at low-income farmers. And to qualify, you must be getting a social welfare payment. In return, people participating provide services that benefit rural communities. It's sanctioned by the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection. And we as a group uh, have got the job of carrying out that for that body. John, could you give us some idea of the kind of work that's involved? Is this a very complex work or is it something that nearly any person can get involved in and in terms of uh, age limits is there an upper age limit or a lower age limit so what kind of work would be involved here the type of work that uh, people would be participating in is um, general maintenance we say enhancing various walkways routes Uh, there could be energy conversation work for older people village and countryside enhancement projects social care and care for older people um, projects relating to for non-profit cultural and heritage centres, community administration, uh, village and country enhancement projects, 
and things like that, John. They're very good um, projects. And of course, these are all things which enhance the community in which the farmer is living or the person availing of this rural scheme is living. So you're enhancing your own surroundings. Now, the bottom line, we talk about schemes and we understand there would always be a sort of monetary aspect to it and time. What type of time commitment would be involved? For example, how many hours work is involved and is there a length of time for the scheme? How long would the scheme itself actually last? You work 19 and a half hours per week. These hours are based on a farmer schedule. Farmers, it's a very friendly schedule. It work outside to suit yourself as a farmer because uh, you know, you're busy in the morning, you're busy in the evenings. So the times, the 19 and a half hours, it's up to the farmer himself. So if you get a place on the scheme, you are offered a contract from your start date up to the following 31st of March. You may be considered for a further term following the initial contract if you continue to meet all the criteria for the scheme. It's for the the farmers that's on uh, job assist, job seekers allowance, one parent family payment, disability allowance, widows, widowers, or surviving civil partners pension. The money that's involved in is, we say, your current rate of uh, payment does 22.50 added on to that every week. Would you have to provide some kind of evidence that you are a farmer, that most of your time day-to-day is spent in farming or a farming-type activity? Now, the criteria, will say, working out whether you're a farmer or not, is it very strict or what would they be looking for? And before we go any further, I think you have a couple of phone numbers you might uh, give to our listeners who are tuned in at the moment, if they have a, a buyer already or go and get something to write with. So phone numbers and who would be a farmer under the scheme? How would they qualify? We have two phone numbers here now. We have 022 which is the office in the mill in Castletown Roach. Or we have 86 2818, and that's Vincent O'Flynn. He'd be the coordinator of this project, John. And the other question you asked me there was the uh, the criteria. The criteria for the farmer is you must provide proof that you are actively farming. To do this, you must provide a copy of your uh, application for the EU single payment scheme for the current year, including a valid herd number. And if you are actively farming and not, have not yet applied for the EU Singles Payment Scheme, you should contact your local rural social scheme implementing body for advice. You can ring the office or you can call to the office and you'll be quite welcome down there and everything will be explained in the office and you know, there's a great staff in the office and they will make everything as easy as possible for you. But in saying that now, there's a, if you are eligible who do not wish to participate in the rural social scheme, your dependent, spouse, civil partner, or cohabitant can take the available place. You know, and that's if there's the herd number is the all important one there as well, that if under the herd number. Or if you have a child working on the farm, they can take up the job under the herd number uh, as well. There's a great uh, expense of uh, experience in the farming world out there and the communities, you know, would like to uh, join with them and work with them. And, you know, it's an experience for the farmer as well to just to get more experience and to help the people of his community where he's been working all their life. And as I say, like, you know, it's, it, is, it is a good project. 
this project has been running for a good many years and there, there has been a slow uptake. But in recent months, there has been an increase looking for this kind of work. Fishing community as well. The same criteria applies to fishermen. For fishermen, uh, fisherwoman, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, the same applies. Now, in terms of taxation and a PRSI, how is that dealt with? Would you be liable for a PRSI contribution? Yeah. There'll be a Class A PRSI contribution paid on behalf of all uh, rural social participants. Uh, you're not liable for universal social charge on your RSS payment. Uh, tax, your income is liable for tax, although it is likely you will pay little or no, Nunjan. And when we look at this small amount of money you get for the rural social scheme, would that interfere with other social welfare benefits or other social welfare payments that people are availing of those? No, John, that won't that won't interfere with any with anything else. Only that is, as long as you're not uh, on a, another uh, project at the moment, you know, like a community uh, scheme or something like that. As long as you're not on that, uh, everything else is okay. Now, for someone who may just have tuned in, they may have missed the start of our conversation, speaking to Mr. John Carroll, the chairman of Blackwater Avenue Development Partnership. John, I understand you have a couple of phone numbers there which you gave earlier. You might uh, remind our listeners about those um, phone numbers, phone contacts. I think you have a person's name because people like to feel that, you know, there's a person at the end of the phone. Yeah. Uh, The phone numbers I have here, John, is... 086-411-2818 086-411-2818 and the person is Vincent O'Flynn or if you ring the office an 022-46580 and ask for Vincent, they will get you in contact with him. Let people know what exactly this scheme is and we emphasise it's something that's been going for a while and uh, more and more people now are hearing about it and realising how accessible it actually is. As chairman of Avenue Blackwater Partnership, um, this scheme is a very interesting scheme. We we provide a huge amount of schemes for different um, different in the communities for different projects, and there's a huge take up on it at the moment. So, for this rural social scheme, we would welcome all. Uh, farmers that qualify under the criteria to come forward and come with us and for us and for the farming uh, for the farmer themselves we'll have a a very joyful experience if you feel that uh, you don't feel like doing it your spouse can do it as long as the head number is there and as long as you fit the criteria your spouse can do the work and uh, you know so it is very flexible so it didn't just you're not just confined to to one thing but it's a very flexible project and it's to suit the farmer uh, and i think that's very important Thank you very much indeed, Mr. John Carroll, Chairman, Avondu Blackwater Development Partnership, talking to our listeners about the Rural Social Scheme for Farmers. Thank you very much indeed, John. Thanks a million. Thank you very much, John, for your time. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Ms. Helen O'Sullivan, spokesperson, PRO, for the Beef Plan Movement. Helen, first of all, welcome to the programme. Now, two very important meetings are taking place fairly soon. Thank you, John. The Beef Plan meetings are in the West Lodge Hotel Bantry, Thursday 21st of February at 8pm, and the Vianna Woods Hotel, Glanmire, Thursday the 28th of February at 8pm. The Beef Plan Movement is an 86-point document which sets out important solutions to help redress certain shortfalls, obstacles and difficulties present on most Irish farms 
today. It is about like-minded farmers coming together to get a fair price for our cattle, to regain control of an animal from birth to slaughter and beyond, and to regain respect within the beef industry and returning a cost of production price plus a margin as a minimum. This is a very important point, John, as the cost of production has gone through the roof and the farmer's margins has hit rock bottom. The beef plan is for all farmers producing beef, be it from the national dairy herd or the national circular herd. We currently have just over 17,000 members and numbers are steadily increasing. Our goal is to engage with 40,000 farmers throughout Ireland. I think that all farmers will have to unite if we want to change in the beef industry. And I think this, will, this change will come from the beef plan movement. Can you give some references, websites or Facebook sites, where people can make inquiries and join up? I understand that membership costs only about €10 Euro and you're a totally non-profit organisation. It is a non-profit voluntary organisation. If people would like to go on to www.beefplan.ie, they will see the whole lot there, the 86-point plan document and what the whole beef plan movement is about. Also, you can give my own phone number, which is 87 283 for anyone that wants to contact me and find out more. We currently have posters up and about throughout West Cork. And um, there's a Facebook page as well that people can like called the Beef Plan Movement. So they can like that and they can be joined onto that and see any upcoming um, meetings coming up throughout Ireland. This new scheme, the BEEP, do you think that will help in any respect? We hear about the European Union and the environment problems with the methane and greenhouse gas emissions, but the BEEP programme, that you know, beef environmental efficiency pilot scheme, is that something that you'll be discussing at the meetings? Yes, certainly, John, that will be that'll factor in on, on part of the meeting. Um, yes, carbon footprint is a big thing at the moment in the environment, and uh, we'd be all for doing our part with that. Um, I suppose it's not just the agricultural side that is associated with this carbon footprint. Uh, there are other sectors as well, along with, you know, transport, re- residential, commercial and industry. Everyone needs to take um, a heed of the carbon footprint and do their best to, to help with that. In fact, Ireland is one of the most carbon efficient countries in Europe with dairy and in the top five with beef some kind of increase in the premium for suckler at the moment we have the 40 euro payment but would you be aiming for something like 200 euro support per suckler animal to try and get 200 euro to make beef production in some way viable at least 100 euros i think we'd actually be even looking for more it does cost an awful lot to carry a suckler cow through the winter I think the figures have shown 700 euros. So I think the minimum would have to be nearly 200, hopefully four or 500 if we could get it. Um, farming is, is not easy. An awful lot of circular farmers are working off farm. So they're put under a lot of pressure. And in fact, they're working off farm to keep the farm going, which it should be the other way around. Um, then there's a lot of uncertainty around Brexit at the moment. You know, we currently export over 250,000 tonnes of beef to the UK. If there's an old deal Brexit, the beef industry will be in a worse state than what it is already. One person on their own doesn't have a lot of power, but I think if we could get 40,000 farms together, we would have an awful lot of power. And if people want to come to our meetings and listen to what we have to say and what is in our 86 beef plan, uh, we have a meeting in the West Lodge Hotel Bantry, Thursday, 21st of February at 8pm, and the Vienna Woods Hotel Glenmire, 
Thursday the 28th of February at 8pm. I would encourage all the farmers of West Cork and Cork to please come to these meetings and find out what the beef plan movement is all about. Well, thank you very much indeed, Helen. Miss Helen O'Sullivan, PRO, spokesperson for the Beef Plan Movement. Thank you very much, Helen. Thanks a million. Thank you very much, John, for having me on your programme. Thank you. You're more than welcome. Minister Creed has reminded farmers that the closing date for BEEP is 22nd of February. Applications for the scheme may be made online to www.agfood.ie or alternatively, a paper application form can be requested from the department at the following phone number 076-106-4420. That's 076-106-4420. And the closing date for the BEEP programme is 22nd of February. An important IFA meeting is coming up on Monday, 18th of February. Cork Central IFA County Executive will meet in the Kingsley Hotel, Cork City, 8.30pm. That's Cork Central IFA County Executive meeting, Kingsley Hotel, 8.30, Monday, 18th of February. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls. And as always, a very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. The next Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme is scheduled for this coming Wednesday after the 10pm news. Thanks for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.